Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, Chicagoans? This is Phantology. I'm your host, Stephen, and I have Ryan with me today to discuss the Dresden Files. Yes, sir. Just caught up. Finally, finished Battleground. Yeah, you went on a crazy Dresden binge, right? Like you read all 17 plus two books of short stories in how long? Uh, well, I started in October, I would think. Uh, yeah, October. And so I finished, I think to be fair, I finished in the end of February. So it's been like two or three weeks since I've finished Battleground. Okay, you, you've had some time to really let it sink in, to process yeah. the events. And before we uh, talk about the books at all, we should say this is going to be a full spoilers podcast through the end yeah. of the Dresden Files. So uh, if you're not that far, you probably don't want to tune in much further. <laughs> I feel a little bit, or I felt left out because you and Ben and Josh all did the Dresden Files episodes. I felt like I was just a few months behind you guys. So whenever I would listen to them, I'd be like, oh man, I disagree with this or I agree <laughs> with this or whatever. Uh -huh. So now's, now's my chance to voice all those thoughts. Yeah, now's your chance to really get us back. Let, let us know what we missed. I know, mm -hmm. I know I know, we made some detail mistakes in those episodes. There's a lot of details in these books and uh, we've only read them once. So, uh, you know, very, very probable that some mistakes are made. But yeah. the tone will remain correct, I think. We're, we're just going to try to give some general ratings and comments on the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. Let's get into it. All right, so before we do, if you like Phantology, you can see more at www.phantologybooks.com, and you can support us at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. And if you really want to support us, go on YouTube and give us a subscription on there. We're trying to get up to 1,000 so we can uh, you know, turn the page on the channel get into the uh, monetization side <laughs> do we get a plaque for getting a thousand subscribers probably not yeah i think youtube sends you a plaque yeah oh they do okay no i'm i'm, I'm joking I, oh. I don't think so <laughs> i mean have you seen the plaques that like other big subs like uh yeah other big subscribers have them but they're probably for like a hundred thousand or ten thousand or something like that no i what do they look like they're just like black plaques with like uh the youtube play button on them that are like i think depending on how many subscribers it is it's oh, like really? bronze or silver or gold huh. or whatever yeah okay well i was being facetious but it sounds like it is actually a thing that i didn't know about <laughs> definitely definitely is a thing all right so get us to the plaque please subscribe on youtube mm -hmm. cool okay so we're gonna start with a review of our previous review a few months ago, we did a tier list of the Dresden Files where myself, Stephen, and Ben and Josh went through and rated all 17, no, 17 books plus the two short stories. So we had 19 ratings, tiers from S tier down to A, B, C, and D tier. 
And Ryan is now going to react to our ratings. I don't know if you listened to this one or not, Ryan. Have you? I don't remember it. Okay. So probably not. Well, it was fantastic. So uh, go back and listen, definitely. But uh, you're going to get a recap now. So starting in book one in Stormfront. Wait, quick question. Quick question. So does this this mean that the best Dresden book is at S tier and the worst Dresden book is at D tier? Yes. Okay. All right. So it's it's not just like a scale of like one to ten and where they rank along it. It's the top. The top is at the top. Bottoms at the bottom. Yes, exactly. It's. Sense. I mean, in general, we like most of the Dresden books. So if we were just saying like books in general, I don't think we'd put yeah. hardly any of the Dresden books in D tier. But yeah. in the Dresden book, in the Dresden bookiverse, right? The, mm-hmm. the ratings from yeah, what you what you said yeah. basically. What was the lowest D or? D. D, okay. All right. Stormfront D. You give Stormfront a D? Yeah. Okay, we gave it a C. We put it in C tier. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was like the introduction to the series. Maybe we just kind of gave him a pass, gave Butcher a pass a little bit on the first book, but it sounds like you weren't a big fan of Stormfront. No, I in fact, I read it on its own a few years ago and I was I was inspired enough by it to continue. So I've actually read Stormfront twice, but only it didn't stick till the second time, I guess. (laughs) And I was more committed to getting through it. As we go through, I'm going to tell you guys my best and worst parts of each book. So in Stormfront, I thought the best part was just like kind of the mystery introduction to the world and the plot was engaging. I felt the worst part for me, I just found Morgan to be really annoying how he never trusted Dresden with everything and was always there dogging his steps. Uh, he wasn't that that was not a fun part of the plot for me. So that's yeah. my takes on Stormfront. But sounds mm-hmm. like in general, Ryan was a little bit lower than we were. I mean, I think most people agree that like compared to the other Dresden books that it gets better over time. And, and Stormfront was you know decent mm-hmm. book, but nothing special. Yeah, I mean, I... I have a lot of respect for what Jim Butcher, how far he's come and what he's accomplished with the Dresden files, especially when, I mean, when you think of that Stormfront was a class project for him, it's, it's pretty incredible that he actually continued with that series and built Mm -hmm. what he has on it. But as far as quality, if you're considering Stormfront to the rest of the series, then it's got to be at the bottom. Yeah. Isn't the story, so I'm probably going to get this wrong, but he was in school and he came to his professor with this idea and it was kind of out there, you know, urban fantasy in Chicago with the wizard. And he wasn't necessarily sure about it, but his professor was like, this is the one, this is the winning thing. And you've got to go for this, something like that. Um, Maybe I'm not exactly sure what I, the podcast that I listened to with him, he said that in in this class he was he was determined to like do everything his professor said like would work and, and i think his intent was kind of to show her that it wouldn't work mm. but he went through and i guess stormfront was the result and i don't know if at the end she encouraged him to try and get it published or he just said i'm gonna see where this goes but yeah that that's that's the small part of that story that I've heard. Thank goodness for that professor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. Yeah. Okay. Full moon. 
full moon. Uh, so this this is the one with the the werewolves. This and, is yeah. These are the uh, werewolves. This is when the alphas are introduced, right? All of the werewolves. So for me, the the prose of this book was just like the werewolf destruction in general, like tearing apart the police station. While that is obviously not something that uh, you know it's a little tough to see, I thought the action was awesome and really kind of like raised the stakes quite a bit. Oh, and the Lou Guru. Yeah, yeah, the Luke Guru is what, yeah, who tore apart the police station. Uh, for me, the, there were too many werewolves, and I thought I found that the plot was just, like, overly complex. And the whole thing with the FBI agents, the, it never really means anything. To, I mean, they try to tie it in a little bit to the overarching plot by the end, but uh felt a little flat for me. So It's going to be you, a C. I think it's a slight improvement on Stormfront, but not not too much i i still wasn't very invested in the dresden files after reading that book we gave it a d we actually went down on full moon okay. we we thought full moon was a step down from stormfront uh but let's go on to grave peril book three where we get our vampires introduced and michael comes in those were highlights for me low light was i just found that i found leah to be annoying again characters that just mess with dresden and make his life hard are are cons for me i guess i mean like it's important for the plot obviously but i i struggle with them <laughs> um i think it's i think it's gonna be c tier as well i think it's maybe a slight improvement on uh full moon but not enough to bump it up into b territory okay so ryan's tier list uh is ascending as we move up the books we gave it a a b tier actually we moved okay. it up a into the b territory which is not bad okay summer night is where we get our fae introduced yeah this this was a good one i i this was the first book i read that afterwards i thought like i really enjoyed this book it's definitely going in the direction that i want to continue reading it and so i think it belongs in the b tier we put it in c tier <laughs> oh wow We've been bouncing around to each other's. I mean, our average rating is probably the same thus far, but we seem to be off one or the other the whole time. Yeah, it's confusing because on Goodreads, when I was reviewing these, I basically gave them a three, four, or five star rating. The first two books were three stars. I think the next books are basically all four stars, except for a few standouts. I thought the final battle of this one was really fun. Toot Toot was awesome. He's always awesome. The plot here was just, I mean, I, I feel like it was maybe a little overly convoluted with all the Fae and th there was a lot that you were being introduced to. And just Elaine being in the book, Elaine is a character that confuses me. Just kind of like wonder why. Seems like maybe a thread, a thread that Butcher was trying to get in and then he kind of abandoned and is now just this loose thread that was made some half-hearted attempt at. Anyway, uh, let's go on to Death Masks where we finally get the denarians so yeah this was um the first book with the denarians and is this the book where at the end of it harry picks up lashiel's coin yeah to try and uh prevent harry carpenter i think from getting it yes so this was definitely good i really like all the stories with uh black and denarians like you do mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. and so I am going to move, and it also introduces Nicodemus, too, who is one of the scariest villains of the Dresden Files. Uh, I'm going to put this in the A tier. 
Okay, we finally agree. We also had death masks in A tier. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I love the Daenerys. They're they're hands down the best villains. There's a lot of different villains in the Dresden first, but the uh, Daenerys are the best, and especially going forward into Battleground. I mean, Marcone becoming yeah. a Daenerys that was that was awesome. That was yeah. Mm, I'm excited to see where that goes. It was awesome in a scary way, right? <laughs> Without a doubt. Okay, so uh, in that book, also I like the I like the whole Shiro sacrifice thing. I thought that brought in oh, some yeah. kind of powerful emotional moments. Shiro, that... Shiro was a great character. I think this is a note that you had uh, that you wanted to talk about. But these books, while they are like a fun urban romp through Chicago, urban fantasy romp through Chicago with a wizard, there's a lot of like really good, powerful emotional stuff interwoven that you've got to like it's some mm-hmm. good stuff from butchers so you know props yeah. to him for making a really nice series definitely lots of um good emotional attachment to the characters on the downside on death masks the saint giles people never really got attached to that whole plot line no that's um that's the people that susan belongs to right like a right. lot of them are half vampires who haven't fully turned yet yeah yeah, I never was super invested in them either. Like, it's not a bad idea, but I just never really cared about any of those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can agree. Okay, Blood Rites is book six. This uh, starts when he gets Mouse, which is the highlight oh, yeah. of the book for me. And the low light of the book, I don't know if you remember this scene, but it's the infamous pants scene that we, uh, that, that, that we were very low on in our review, where... Where Murphy has to like slither underneath a laser or something. I don't remember the exact details. And so in order to make it underneath, she has to remove her pants to like get the inch or whatever of of difference to get under. Do you remember this? Mm, No. What's who's the main villain in this story? So this is Mavra was a big thing, right? Like that's when they go into the nest. They're trying to clear out. Oh, this is the whole thing with the, is it the death curse thing on the porno set? That's what I was thinking. Like, the, so Lara would be introduced yeah, here. It is. It, it's that it one. Is. Yeah, okay. That's the, that's the majority of it. Yeah. I still don't remember the scene very well that you're talking about. So clearly this is a more forgettable book for us. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, do you have a rating or are we just going to do a... <laughs> Well, I mean, I do remember like the introduction to Lara and I thought it was a little bit weird that it was like Dresden's on the set of like a porn film. Yeah, but it was it was like an interesting book and it introduced us to the white court vampires a lot more in depth. And we got a, we got to know them just a lot better from this book. So I would probably give it a B tier. Yeah, B. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, we we put it in D tier. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, maybe it was a little more fresh for us, but I, I think we're we're struggling with book six. So uh, okay, D tier for mm-hmm. at least back in the day it was. Okay, yeah. Deadbeat. Deadbeat is more memorable. Yes. Is is this the one with Splattercon? No, that is Proven Guilty. That's the next book. Deadbeat is. <laughs> Deadbeat is Sue the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the Kemalerites. Oh yes, okay, that's where, that's where he's trying to prevent like the necromancers from becoming uh-huh. 
on Halloween Gotham. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think that this book was interesting. I don't think I liked the Sue part as much as other people did. Honestly, the most memorable part of this book is at the end where I think it's in this book with that guy who utters a death curse against Harry. Is that this book? And he yeah. says, he says, die alone. Right, right. It's it's one of the it's one of the denarians, I believe. I yeah, believe it was... it, it's like the snake guy. He busts, yeah, snake boy. He goes in and busts him with the baseball bat, I believe. Yeah, and uh, that's something I've been thinking a lot more about recently with Battleground, um, with what happens with Murphy in Battleground. So, but it is it is um, we're also introduced to Lucio, who's a pretty cool character. I like Lucio a lot. Mm-hmm. Is this also the book where Harry becomes a warden for the first time? Harry becomes a warden. Ramirez is a big part of it. I don't remember if Ramirez is introduced in this book or not. Okay. Well, I I think it's probably around the same. I'm going to leave it in B tier. We put it in S tier. Probably because I freaking love the Sue scene. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. And I thought the Kemler, the Kemlerite thing, like that was one of the better plots that he's had yeah. through books, like the necromancy that was going on. I, I The downside for me was like all of the minor Kemlerites that were just kind of like there to move things along a bit. But the ending scene, that was, it was very exciting. There's a lot going on there at the end. Mm-hmm. Riding Sue through Chicago and, and uh grave or corpse taker switching bodies uh-huh. with Lucio uh-huh. and, yeah, there there definitely was a lot of yeah. good stuff there. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't like Sue as much. But... Yeah, I don't know. All right, all right. Okay, so next we have After Deadbeat, Proven Guilty, the Splattercon thing with Molly. Yeah, so this book, it's not super memorable to me, <laughs> even though I remember Splattercon. It's like Molly's kind of, I guess I guess it is a little bit more because we learn more about how Molly has started using a black mm-hmm. magic, and it's it's sort of I think reminds Harry of himself in that situation. Yep. So Mouse, right off, you know something's wrong with Molly when Mouse growls at her, and so the rest of the book you're trying to figure out exactly what it is. I I like the book. I did not like the ending. And I think that this has kind of permanently tainted any Harry Molly romance for me, which is like where Molly becomes Harry's apprentice. And then she like strips down thinking that she's now going to sleep with Harry. And whenever I like try and think of Harry and Molly together, it's always going to be like, well, yeah, she, I, I think she was underage at that point, which is just a big, like I, I don't I don't think it was necessary to the story. Like, yeah, she can have kind of like a, a crush on Harry, but I think that was just a little bit too far. And it's tainted any Harry Molly romance idea in my mind from that point on. Anyways, I'm I'm going a bit astray, but I think that this this book is I'm gonna put it in B tier. So we put it in D tier. <laughs> oh, because of that? I think it was in part of that. Ben had a really strong negative visceral reaction at. I mean, as did you, and like as do probably most people. That was a really weird scene. And then apart from that, like it's just not super memorable. The the plot kind of revolves around this mystery. 
at SplatterCon, but it wasn't nearly. I mean, compared to Deadbeat, Deadbeat of the S tier, right? <laughs> to, to, to follow up with this one that was just so forgettable and also had some weird things that, yeah, it, it was a D, man. Wow. So I, I put both of those in the same tier, Deadbeat and Proven Guilty in the same, and you put one in S and one in uh-huh. D. That's uh-huh. interesting. Okay, next, Winter Night. Winter Night was all around kind of the white court, and then at the end, there's the whole big showdown at the deeps. Uh, there's this misunderstanding with Thomas throughout, like Thomas is being misconstrued to have been oh, yeah. uh, like kidnapping these women. That was the negative thing for me. Plot lines with Thomas being misunderstood or falsely accused are just like we're beating a dead horse at this point, especially when you go into I think that's one of my issues with peace talks. It's like we've already seen this and I'm tired of Thomas being misunderstood. Like, can we not just communicate with each other? It's frustrating to me. So Winter Night was like all right for me, but the ending was great. The rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that the ending was cool where uh, he kind of he enlists Marcone's aid and they they go into the yeah. deeps and he's fighting with Lara. This is actually the emotional, pretty emotional with um, Lash, the fragment of Lashiel and his mind because she sacrifices himself in a psychic attack to prevent Harry from. Right, right. I don't know, going crazy or whatever would happen, his mind being destroyed. And that was pretty cool. I didn't see that happening. Um, I didn't predict that. So I, I actually liked this book quite a bit. I do agree. The beginning kind of dragged on where he was looking into all of those, uh, all of those like weaker sorcerers, and he was investigating that. It was I wasn't super invested in that part, but I did like the ending. And so I'm gonna put that in probably b tier okay we had it we had it in c tier okay it was the top of c tier it was really close to b tier okay (laughs) all right all right small favor book 10 we're making some progress this is where um marcone gets captured right and uh, yeah this is another denarian book right and there's there's like this there's a few big set pieces there's the one at the aquarium, and then there's one at Demon Reach, and the one at Union Station with the uh, I don't remember what creatures those were, but where uh, where Harry and they're Michael trying to get the archive. Yes, to get I'm a dark denarian. Right, exactly. And at the at the end, Michael gets crippled. Yeah, this this is a good one. This is this is definitely a tier for me. I I really like that. I thought it was really good at the end where Harry thinks that he is he's sacrificing himself for Michael almost because he lets Michael go up the ladder first mm-hmm. and then and then Michael gets shot as he's going up the ladder and then Harry blames himself I think a little bit for that but then Uriel tells Harry later on that if Harry had gone up first I think Harry would have died and the whole world would have ended practically because Harry wouldn't have been there to protect it I don't remember the details of that conversation exactly but jake the janitor does show up and then have yeah imparts some wisdom upon harry Mm -hmm. the negative the negative for me i did also have this one in a tier i really liked it and i feel like this is where this one turncoat and changes are almost like 
the beginning like these three have such good momentum all the way through yeah to where the plot's really starting to connect and it's becoming like this big thing this is probably mm. where this book started to like turn the turn the corner for me on dresden files where i was like i could see the potential of this series had to be super awesome rather than just like individual mm-hmm. yeah so the the blasting rod thing do you remember the blasting rod plot line um like mab was messing with his memory oh yeah yeah and then and then yeah they were like harry can you tell us where your blasting rod is and then harry like gets really confused i thought that was gonna be a lot more interesting and then it just seemed anticlimactic when we learned oh mab had just taken it and erased his memory of it or something yeah his mind so so that was the negative for me i Mm -hmm. i thought that one part of the plot was kind of was a little bit of a letdown okay turncoat this is the one with the Nagashi, you know, the shapeshifter. And at the end, we find out about the Grey Council. And the whole time, it's like this Lafortier guy was was killed who did it. That was the negative for me because I was like, I don't care about this Lafortier guy. But uh, the rest of the plot was was pretty great. Yeah, I mean, Morgan comes to Harry's help yes. or comes to ask for Harry's help, which is the last person you'd expect. It certainly starts in an, an interesting way. It was uh, it was funny. Um, I saw a meme of this story that was like, whenever Harry leaves, he comes back, and it's like the office. It's where like Michael Creed and or and Dwight or somebody they're all like pointing their finger guns at each other, uh-huh. and it's it's like it's like Molly, Morgan, and Mouse are all like whenever Harry leaves and comes back, they're always like at each other's throats, and Morgan's like, oh, she's trying to enter my like uh-huh. Morgan and and Molly are about to kill each other and mouse is just trying to keep everybody alive. Um, <laughs> it happens at least a couple times, maybe yeah. three times. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. So this was, this was pretty interesting and you come to find out one of the more interesting plot lines to me was that Lucio's mind had been um, messed with as well. And that she was only like mm-hmm. her romance with Harry was kind of like, she was forced into it and, so yeah. she, she was like hesitant to continue from then on, which reminds you, die alone, Harry. Every romance he has has kind of failed. Yeah, I mean, ways. the one with Murphy is great until she, you know, battleground. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put this book in A tier. Also had it in A tier. Okay, changes. This one is, I think pretty well regarded like universally universally i had it in s tier for some reason ben continues to fight against changes he thinks that harry's daughter is used as like plot device and we're like no dude she's like she's his daughter like it, it happens but I, I i don't i don't know we don't we don't need to rehash that uh discussion it's it's gone on on our discord a little bit but yeah. uh, how'd you like changes i liked it um i didn't think it was like amazing I think it's good. I think it's A tier. The big thing about changes is that at the end of the book, the Red Court amasses all of this power, like this loaded gun that could potentially be turned against themselves. I mean, I guess that's so out of their thoughts that how could this be turned? Like, we're going to use this to kill Harry and all of his line get revenge on them right right but the fact that they just leave leave this gun cocked and loaded 
and for anybody to take advantage of it, which Harry does at the end, is just so mind-boggling to me. I don't think that if I was an evil red court vampire who had lived for centuries or millennia, I would I would even take the chance of something so powerful <laughs> being used against me. So you have the red court indeed here. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. It was a huge miscalculation on their part. Harry's able to take advantage. I mean, this book was this book was good. This was my this is my favorite book. I it, maybe not my absolute favorite. I think Cold Days was better for me, but uh there were just so many changes, right? It, mm-hmm. it really the series needed it and I think it was a bold decision from Butcher to do this because he could have kind of kept on going, but he's like, this is where he takes it into more of like an epic fantasy. I mean, I know it's still urban fantasy, but everything is connecting in such a big way that it's almost more of an epic fantasy at this point. And Changes was the reason why. Changes is this transitional period. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I think I like pretty much all of the changes that this enacts on Harry, getting rid of his house or his apartment and his car and giving him a daughter it really steps up his sense of responsibility and pushes out of the habits that he's been stuck in and also sets up the next few books in big ways both with harry's assassination attempt with him going to mab and finally agreeing to become the winter knight just all of these things that shape the next few books so i think it's it's definitely a good book but I don't I'm not quite ready to put it in S tier. So if I'm if I'm uh, counting here correctly, you have not put any in S tier yet, right? That is correct. OK, OK, we'll see if we can get any up there. One underrated part of changes is like the formation of the fellowship when they go off to Chichen Itza. Yeah, that was a memorable part for me. Butcher is a huge Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings fan. I mean, as most fantasy authors are. If you remember back to Summer Night, remember the the original um, night back then? His name was Ronald Rule, which is... Oh, that who was originally killed? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Which, you know, the, the R's, the two J.R.R. Tolkien, you know what the two R's oh, are? Is it Ronald Rule? Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I can guess from the context where you're going, but <laughs> interesting. I did not know that. A little, little deep cut there for you. Thanks, Butcher. Okay. Mm-hmm. After changes, ghost story. This one's controversial. Some people are like, oh man, all the momentum from the previous book was let down. Other people are like, this is awesome because it was a perspective change and it was appropriate. What did you think? I'm definitely in the awesome crowd. In fact, I'm going to put this as my first book in the S tier, which is probably uh, crazy. But I thought this was, this is like Harry's It's a Wonderful Life almost, where he he's dead and he's like kind of going around and seeing what what has happened as a consequence of his death and we learn at the end of the book that harry's the one who hired kincaid to kill him mm-hmm. i think it's interesting uh progression for harry it makes the rest of the characters a little bit less self-reliant on him molly kind of gets level up here because of her role as the ragged lady and she's now kind of coming out as after being Harry's apprentice, I start to like her more in this book too. Although she takes a lot of gut punches, like the fact that she was the one like carrying that knowledge around. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. 
I, I don't think it was necessarily right for Harry to do it, but it was, I don't know. I really liked it, especially I, I learned also from an interview with Jim Butcher that he wrote that book. He said that was one of his hardest books to write and he wrote it about his suicide attempt. So I, I don't know exactly how it connects. Maybe it has to do with him contemplating his own death and how it would affect those around him. But I think that added a lot of depth to the story in my mind. I thought it was uh, funny how he acts through that, um, the medium, that one. Oh, Mort? Mort. At yeah. first, I didn't like him, but I grew to like him as the story went on. And anyways, it was my favorite book up to that point. And I think I said it. And I think that's probably different from a lot of people think. But I really liked that book. You were a little higher on it than we were. We put it in B tier. I think we were like not hating on it as much as other people have. There, there's a group of fans that really dislike it, but there's kind of a lot of weird Dresden fans out there. There's a group of fans that's really into the uh, the Harry and Molly ship, even though we've decided that it's weird. So anyway, there's some that really hate Ghost Story, but uh, we were we were like split on it. We thought it was decent. And as for the Harry Molly ship, I could see where they're coming from if you just get rid of the awkward Harry Molly in the beginning and how he's always talking about like, I knew that girl from when she was in training bras or whatever. It, it's yeah. just like it, he, he like makes it so it I can't accept it. Anyways, the, re- the history of their relationship is such that like it would just be mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, yeah, I don't see it. Okay. Cold Days. I I think I just said that this was my favorite, so I, I'm obviously going S tier with Cold Days. How did you feel? Um, I wasn't sold on it at the beginning. I think I said it was a little bit cheesy at first, but I definitely liked it at the end. And with the I whole think, like dance scene at the yeah at the, at the ball <laughs> where he's just like kind of like showing off his new abilities and he's just like freezing people. I I thought it was cheesy. I think I, I'm so I mentioned this on the Discord and I think. You said Ben said this was that was his favorite part, or maybe it was Josh, one of the two. It was Ben. Yeah, are we just gonna roast Ben's Dresden? <laughs> <laughs> I think Ben adds a lot of a, a lot of good perspective. You know, he's not just like a Dresden fanboy. Sure, but anyways, I put this in S tier as well. I think that Harry becoming the Winter Knight is super interesting because it's it, now he has other roles and responsibilities that he had to opt into to save his daughter, but at times seemed to contradict who he is as a person. I liked it. I, I loved just the whole plot throughout. And then the mantle switch at the end, I thought was brilliant. Molly takes yeah. another, uh, Molly gets done dirty too many times. And, and this was another one where it's like, just as she's kind of like starting to come into herself a little bit in her new role, then bam, you know, now you're the winter lady and have to deal with all this new stuff. It's mm-hmm. rough. But then also yeah. the outsiders, the outsiders become a thing. And so oh. the, plot, the plot expands more. The ethic fantasy is bigger. It's a great book. Yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot too. Okay, Skin Game, Rupted Book 15. This one, I think, has a similar split in the fans along with uh, Ghost Story, where some people are like, oh man, it slowed down a bunch from the epic, the epic fantasy binge that we were on and now it's this like contained high story what do you think i liked it a lot still 
I would put it in A tier for me. It was maybe like low A tier, but it was still it was still a good book to read. He's Harry's working on the side of Nicodemus and the Denarians in this book, which mm-hmm. is certainly different from any any other book we've had where he's always been working against him. But you know, the whole time you're just waiting for the double cross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're waiting for the double cross, which is which get, is fine. It makes it fun. You get to know them a bit more intimately, I guess, than you would as just like being the villain. Yeah, where now they're uneasy allies. You know, the alliance is gonna end, but when will it end, and how will it end? And this is also Murphy gets really injured in this story. Um, oh well, I had totally forgot, but. So Mur- Murphy tries to use Fid- Fideliacus or the, uh-huh. the sort of, um, and she tries to use it in a way that it shouldn't have been used. Right. And so it's shattered. And then at the end, Harry throws it to Charity Carpenter and it like bounces off and then lands exactly into Butter's hand and and Butter's becomes the next night, which isn't something I expected either. And and you you skipped the the most awesome part of what happened there, um, the lightsaber man. It's a lightsaber. Oh yeah, yeah. But we don't learn that till the next book. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's still it, tur- it turns into a lightsaber, which is pretty awesome. As a side note, I I'm a little bit <laughs> I'm a little bit I get annoyed I guess with how much butcher references Star Wars, and. Harry calling Molly <laughs> Padawan or anyways, that's a side note. Just not a star, just not a Star Wars fan or just too, too many. No, I, I like Star Wars just fine. I think it was just in too many, too many places for me. I don't know. Maybe it just takes me out of the immersion a little mm. bit from, from the books or something like that. Okay. I don't, I can't quite put my finger on why I, I get it bothered by his, all of his Star Wars references, but I you do. need more. Uh, you need more like Stormlight Archive references. <laughs> yeah. Replace some. Replace some Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so after Skin Game, this is where. So in my first read through, Skin Game was as far as I got because we didn't have Peace Talks and Battleground. In your read through, you were able to experience all seventeen straight from the beginning. So you might have a slightly different opinion. But after what four or five years, when we came back to it last year. When Peace Talks came out, we were hyped. Fans were hyped. And then Peace Talks came out and people were like, the consensus was that book was all right, but we're waiting for Battleground to form an opinion. Now that Battleground is out, we decided to put Peace Talks in C tier. Okay. Yeah. I would probably put it in B tier myself. It definitely is an incomplete book. Yes. Yes, it is. It just so much setup and there's not a very satisfying climax to it. It it just doesn't, it doesn't feel quite right as a reader. And fortunately he came out with battleground a few months later. I don't, I, I don't know how long it was. Was it six months? No, I think it was just, it was July to September. I think it was two months. So readers didn't have to wait that long for it to be resolved. I think it would be worse if you had to wait like three years just to get the the end of that story. It didn't bother me as much, maybe because I was just able to jump right into Battleground from Peace Talks. And so it 
wasn't a huge deal, but I do remember reading it thinking this feels like an incomplete book. And I wasn't like, I wasn't too crazy about the, the storyline with Thomas trying to assassinate the Svartelf leader. Yeah. I, it just, it, I don't know. It seemed a little bit of an aside to me. Like it was underlying this greater, this greater conflict, almost like it had been inserted in there in order to provide some, some, some sort of conflict. Momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. So yeah, that's, Pretty I mean, much that, how I felt about that. There part. were some payoffs in Battleground for a lot of these things, but you know the payoffs came a book later, so it's hard to say that Peace Talks was all that great of a book. We added in, we added in C tier. Yeah, and like the whole time, Harry's just kind of like pissing off Ebenezer and yeah. Ramirez, and you're like, man, this is just setting up for Harry being expelled from. the white council and sure enough that happens at the end of battleground so battleground itself we put an s tier uh battleground i've seen a lot of mixed reviews some people were not as high but i think just for me all the payoffs and all the action and just the epic fight with ethnew and everything uh it was good stuff the the battle of the bean right that's that's what they called it i think so yeah i agree s tier it's just a lot of exciting things happening. Ethnew was just introduced in Peace Talks, but I thought she was a pretty interesting villain, just consumed by her hatred with that eye that destroyed everyone. And we see a lot of like how powerful Ebenezer is, which is which we haven't really seen. I mean, we know he's called the Black Staff, but it seems like he totally outclasses Harry at this point. Before, I would have thought, you know, maybe Harry could take on Ebenezer if he had to, but he just, Harry seems totally outclassed by him. And um, Murphy being killed was sad. Um, It was, I I keep saying totally unexpected. I like things that I don't expect that take place. So so you weren't expecting it because I know a lot of fans going into it were thinking that Murphy was going to die. It wasn't actually super surprising that it happened. I think mostly because mm-hmm. of all like the Valkyrie foreshadowing with her. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't I didn't notice that. I I guess I just didn't look into too many theories because um, I was reading them back to back mm-hmm. to back, so I didn't really have any time to speculate on what would happen. I did mention in our Discord that I was kind of at this point I was fed up with. I feel like Harry and Mo- uh, not Molly and Murphy would just always go back and forth where Harry's like, I don't want you to come on this trip. And Murphy's like, you're an idiot. I can make my own decisions. And Harry's like, you know what? You're right. You can make your own decisions. Come on, let's go. And, <laughs> okay. and it, it had just happened so many times and it happened again in battleground. Um, except this time she was like, you know what? Fine. I'll stay here. And then later on, she's like, Nope, I'm, I'm coming. And then she gets killed, not by anything supernatural, but by Rudy. And so it was well set up. I think that despite all of the threats, all of the supernatural threats, which Harry and Murphy had faced, and despite Murphy's always strictly adhering to the law, maybe that had kind of waned a bit in later books, but she had always been like, you know, I'm not going to kill 
I'm mm-hmm. not going to kill a human being without like due process. Mm-hmm. She's ended up, she's ends up being killed by law enforcement, which was, yeah. um, I think ironic. It was tough, well set tough, up. Tough to swallow as the reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was tough to swallow, but, um, like, her death also wasn't super heroic, like other people might say in my mind. Like, she just killed that Jortin. Is that what it is? Jotun giant. Jotun. Yeah. yeah, she kills that with the bazooka, which is awesome. But then she kind yeah. of dies senselessly to right, Rudy. Right. So, popular theory is obviously that she's coming back. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It would be hard for me to see the series where she doesn't come back. I that's guess. what i think yeah it, it it just for her to die so like matter of factly to rudy and for her not to come back in some way i think that uh guard has already pe- some people were thinking that she would come back as um what are those what are those like uh viking warriors called the the Valk- valkyries no not the valkyries the the ones that come back after they're dead who um Oh yeah. After uh, the memory of them has died. Something with an S, I think. I can't pronounce the name. Yeah, okay. But basically Continue. but basically they say or guard says that you can't she can't come back as that until the memory of her has died. Like nobody remembers her anymore. But she hasn't really said we don't know how Valkyries come to be in this. I think Valkyries are distinct and different from those other Viking warriors. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, we may be butchering the theory a little bit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, little, pu- well, little pun there. Yeah, but uh, let let us know if you're watching and can inform us, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. One theory that I've heard is that they will somehow remove people's memories of Murphy in order to get around that, and then she will come back. I kind of like the idea. You know how at the end of Pirates of the Caribbean when will and elizabeth can still be together but only on you know like very restricted terms because of what he has turned into there as davy jones yeah I, we could see something similar like murphy's back but you know harry and her can't necessarily like be together as mortals but they can in some other way that like is still fulfilling but also still kind of tragic mm-hmm. i think that could that could be a good way to go something that something that maintains the severity of death but yeah. like it doesn't just kind of wipe away all the consequences like, oh, Murphy's back and we can love each other again. Just right. Basically like normal. And uh, I hope that if she does come back, though, it levels her up so that she's more on Harry's level. Because like although she's a competent, like martial artist and mm-hmm. it, it, she's just nowhere near on the same level as a Denarian who can do who knows what with magic yeah you're tired of having her you're tired of having her be left behind just because she's immortal yeah i I feel like it's at this point it's become a bit forced with like how competent she is she's always like trying to prove like oh look how fast and how good of a fighter i am i can like show you all of a sudden i have a gun pointed at your head and i don't know it just it just seemed a little bit forced to me there's no real way to keep her strong enough to keep up with Harry unless mm. through some supernatural means. Okay, so we went through all the books. I know you had a few other talking points that you wanted to uh, some some takeaways from your read through. Where'd you guys put the short stories? 
Short stories, we put briefcases as an A and side jobs as a C. Which one was first? Side jobs is the first one. Briefcases is the one that had um, the Zude story and the Bigfoot stories. Yeah. And the Marcone story and the, and the Molly stories. I definitely agree with both of those. I, I was going to put uh, briefcases at an A and side jobs probably at a C or a low C, maybe a high D. I, but I, I much preferred the stories in, in briefcases. Those were fun. I actually hadn't read those until after Battleground, which I had been informed a lot of times that that was a huge mistake. So I apologize to all the Dresden fans because there were a few things that I missed in Peace Talks because I hadn't read the short stories. Mm -hmm. That's obviously my bad. But uh, going back and reading them was rewarding as well because then I could see how they actually connected. So some of the things that I, uh, my major takeaways from reading the Dresden series, uh, number one, just Jim Butcher's progression as an author. I think it's inspiring where he started out that he was able to get a publishing deal on Mm -hmm. a book like Stormfront. Once again, I don't think very highly of it, but how far he's come, both improvements in writing and plotting and how he has expanded this world in such, such great ways. I think my ratings show that I wasn't like, Definitely at the beginning, I wasn't sold on the series, but I think my ratings steadily improved in which three, my S's were all like all the last most recent books were kind of like A's and S's. Sounds like we need to make a how it started or yeah, the meme, you know, it's like how it started and then how it's going for Butcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think when I heard urban fantasy it never really appealed to me as a reader but dresden files has pulled it off in a way that i really like because it's not really urban fantasy by the end that's my opinion it's epic fantasy disguised as urban fantasy (laughs) i mean i kind of disagree with that because of how fast paced the books are it's just like boom 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 and that you're at the end of the book um whereas if it was epic fantasy you just have so much inner dialogue okay investigation a lot of a lot of more sandwich in between that slows the pace of the book down what if we said you know what if we said the 17 books were like five epic fantasy books just spaced out into separate books but i mean (laughs) there's yeah maybe okay yeah i mean i think that the series feels well put together but i wonder how much of this uh, Butcher actually had planned out when he right. initially wrote the book right. in his class. It, it's like you can't have had all through Battlegrounds planned out. And if he didn't have it all planned out, then he's able to weave it together pretty well. I think that Ben definitely sees some parts where maybe it wasn't as well put together. I do agree with him that Maggie might have been, he definitely wasn't planning Maggie from the beginning. And it was just a little bit surprising when all of a sudden she was inserted into the story with that intro and changes. I would, yeah, I would be interested if I had a chance to talk to him to ask him, just that kind of like candidly, you know, how Mm -hmm. much of this, how much of this did you plan out from the beginning? How many things like, I'm I'm sure that he left some things as a kind of open dangling thread. So he's like, okay, later in the series, I can grab this. And use it, uh, I mean, like Elaine is an example that we pointed yeah. to. Maybe he decided not to pick up on. 
but the outsiders obviously were one that is he did pick up on and make into a bigger thing so mm. uh, that it would be an interesting conversation yeah so the writing isn't anything amazing but butcher is so good at getting people to connect emotionally to the characters that he writes that um, it makes up for it um in, in a lot of ways i almost feel like being able to write emotions well is better than being able to write well. The pro to do the prose masterfully. Yeah. Getting the inner dialogue, getting the emotional weight of things. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm with you. There was some like, but there was some parts in Dresden that like legit have made me fairly emotional. Like I wrote a personal blog post about one passage from Dresden about like different types of pain. And yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really, I really love the series for that reason. Once again, going back to the fact that he wrote uh, was inspired by his suicide attempt, it shows that he he channels, I think, his own emotional turmoil into the stories, which makes it feel more real. And that's probably not something that's easy to do or talk about for that matter. But I think I think it makes it the stories feel more meaningful. The the next thing, which is I guess a bet bit at odds with that the humor was very off and on for me sometimes i found myself like smiling which and maybe like once or twice like oh great doing a doing a general chuckle sorry my cat is just up to no good yeah classic classic mister right yeah classic mister there were a lot of time i think there were more times where i was just like oh that's not that's not funny and so, I don't know. I maybe Jim Butcher and I just don't necessarily have the same sense of humor. But it didn't. It didn't discourage me from enjoying the book that much. Mm-hmm. So I mean, overall, I, I would consider myself a big Dresden Files fan as much as I was skeptical of it in the beginning. And but the humor did. Well, I wasn't always into it. Yeah, humor and epic fantasy, or urban fantasy. Is uh, it, it's a bit hit or miss. I mean, we're big Stormlight fanboys, but uh, is sharding funny? <laughs> I don't know. I I I, I say no. <laughs> yeah, I I think that Sanderson humor definitely has some off moments for me too, where I'm like, that's, that's, that's not that funny. Yeah. As far as um, I think Stephen, both you and I can agree that romantic subplots are both. Oh yes, they can make or break a story. And I will if if a fantasy book has an awesome if a fantasy book has a romantic plot that is halfway decent I will read it, it yeah yeah I'm a sucker for that <laughs> and so I kind of thought I knew where it was going with Murphy I knew I thought that their friendship would just blossom into a romance that would last mm-hmm. through the series but obviously like when it finally does blossom it's cut off pretty quickly and it just makes me think back to when the death curse is uttered at Harry that says die alone. And I know he had that one conversation, I think maybe with Michael Carpenter where maybe Michael says, well, we all die alone. Like the moment you die, you you go into the next life alone. So of Hmm. course you're going to die alone. I don't know if I buy it with how like his romance, his romantic life has, has gone so far with him. So you're, you're not interpreting the death and changes 
as fulfilling that death curse. No, I don't. I mean, why would why would that? Well, he died. But he didn't really. He didn't actually die. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I mean, Susan is so he kills Susan. He uh, Lucio, his romance with Lucio. I mean, it, it wasn't really like a full blown romance. It was kind of short lived. But mm-hmm. that ended because she had been her mind had been manipulated. Tragically, now, he was unable to get together with Molly. <laughs> well we haven't seen the end of that yeah dude hopefully not murphy is tragically killed she may come back i'm not saying she won't so now it's now, lara right we're going for lara now it's lara which i i couldn't see like any other author writing a romance with lara there's always kind of been some sort of like physical attraction between uh-huh. them at least certainly for from harry for lara lara i mean she's hot she's like the hottest woman in the world right (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know if where it's gonna go maybe they could get married i don't think it's gonna work out but jim butcher you never know with jim she shouldn't even be able to touch him right because he was with he was with murphy right as his like true love previously yeah, unless something. Yeah, you, there's uh, always something th- that could. Well, yeah, throughout the next year, who knows? A lot could happen in twelve months, which is the title of the next book. Mm. I think that, like, with how adamant Ebenezer has been, like, you can't trust vampires. Like, you don't know them as well as I do. Like, I've lived a lot longer than you have. Mm-hmm. There's going to be something with White Court vampires that proves Ebenezer right. I don't know if it's going to be Lara or it's going to be Thomas, but it's going to be something. I think Mm. one of them is going to prove Ebenezer right. And one of them is going to prove him wrong. I feel like there's no way we're, we're doing Thomas dirty yet again. Like this dude has been through way too much. We're going to redeem Thomas somehow. I I don't know that he even needs to be redeemed or we're just going to like rescue him or. Yeah. I don't know. He like, he like went bad for like, the end of a book and then he was kind of back to normal almost yeah i like thomas a lot yeah i mean i like him but it's something something there's going to be some consequences for harry sticking him in the island and then and this justine with nemesis Mm -hmm. like i don't know if Harry's going to end up having to kill justine or nemesis kills justine somehow and then thomas wakes up and realizes that Harry didn't save Justine and he's just mm-hmm. gonna be super mad at Harry. And we've got the Edward Cullen baby brewing. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even remember that. Um, <laughs> One of my favorite theories is the whole demon reach thing. Like, that's such a big Chekhov's gun, in my opinion. Saying, like, hey, Harry, here's this island that's a prison to the most horrible creatures imaginable. And by the way, you're in charge of it. It's yeah. Like, okay, there's going to be a prison break. Something terrible is going to happen here. Well, and we learned at the end of Battleground that Harry could like somehow use like Ethnew because Harry thinks, well, it's probably a stupid idea, but I could call upon her if I needed to. Which, yeah, okay, okay, so he could be tempted to do that and then probably not be able to control it because there's just I don't know too much power to try to harness there. Yeah, or he makes some sort of deal with um, an entity there that has unknown consequences. Seems like a Harry Dresden move. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, so some of my favorite theories right off the bat that Harry is a descendant of Merlin. Yeah. I think that's why Margaret Le Fay, Mag, um, Harry's mom, sought out his dad. His dad, who was just kind of like an ordinary guy, just like a, a magician of uh, just like, you know, your standard magician with pulls a rabbit out of a hat type guy. Mm-hmm. I think that she somehow found out or the white council somehow found out that he was Merlin's descendant. And so that's why they had her have a baby with him that ended up being Harry. Hmm. The other interesting theory that I heard, I think from maybe legendarium podcast was that um, at, at one point when Harry's going through, like he's looking at some of the inmates of demon reach there's one that like is just kind of like quiet, keeps to himself, and like Harry like goes up to interact with him, and he's the guy's like just leave me alone, I belong in here. Um, some people think that might be Merlin, like the Merlin. Hmm. That's interesting. Elaine, she, I thought she was gonna play a much larger role in the series up to this point. I don't think she's just, I don't know, she just plays such a integral she's such an integral part of Harry's past that she's gotta, she's gotta have, and she's also starborn. Maybe she's, you know, I, see, I, okay. So she's going to come back and, and prove us wrong. She's going to be, her plot line is going to be redeemed by butcher. I like, yeah. So the theory that I like is the whole cowl is Justin to mourn and mm-hmm. that, um, I forget his assistant's name, but she's Elaine. In disguise mm. oh the other camera right assistant thing yes yeah. mm-hmm. okay cowl is another one we haven't seen for several books now mm-hmm. yeah well yeah when is the last time we saw him yeah there, man there's a lot of details and uh i know every time we do these podcasts we forget the details and, and people like to fill us in so yeah let us know yeah um, I'm really interested to see what happens in 12 months, but even after that mirror, mirror, we'll see so what goes on in that. It seems like, you know, a little bit more than I do about the future of Dresden because he changed the ordering of the next well, books. That's really all I know is that he, the next book will be 12 months and then mirror, mirror is the book after that, which means that, so 12 months is 18, which is a multiple of three. Which, the multiple, yeah. Are the multiple of three things still in effect? At, at this point, it's like every know. every book has everyone, so I don't know if it's as much of a thing. But we know that like Lara, Lara plays a large part in it, so the White Court is going to be a large part of it. I feel like I could be convinced to ship Lara, but that might just be because she's super hot. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, she, she. This is the same person who is keeping like the the fairies at like the small people as uh, or the little people as like she was imprisoning them, and who knows how many people she's fed on and killed, and she's got some iffy things that would have to be worked out in major ways in she, order for. She, she seems to have a soft side, a little bit of a, you know, uh, so, some emotions that she. Opens up or, a little bit with Justin. Or, or is she using that to pierce off? I mean, she's pretty old, and we know that the White Council is pretty devious. 
So mm. she could, I think she could easily play to Harry's protective nature of like women and children. There is that. All right, Ryan, to close, tell me your favorite non Harry Dresden character. So I guess favorite side character from the series. Oh, wow. Mm, I think, I mean, I have to go with Marcone. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. That, that was an agreeing grunt. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think that Marcone is interesting. He has his own code of honor. So he, he makes these decisions which benefit people. Like they benefit himself, but in general, they usually benefit Chicago too. Like he's obviously a bad guy. And now he has taken up the Thorn of Namshiel coin. But if anybody's a match for a Denarian, I feel like it's Marcone. So really, I'm really excited to see some Marcone Nicodemus interactions. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think Marcone is just going to fall in line with whatever Nicodemus oh, no. wants. So, certainly not. No. So it's going to be, it's been a, going to be cool i think that he's been a cool character so far and it's going to be cool to see where he goes a lot of people theorize that marcone is the big bad of the dresden files mm. where he's going to be the ultimate person that harry will have to overcome so they've been they've been frenemies for a long time so the theory is that he will actually drop the friend part and just become the enemy yeah i mean we saw in both his short story Marcone short story where he thinks like this conflict will eventually come to a head and somebody's gonna one of them's gonna kill the other and I think Harry's thought the same thing in Battleground where like they can't continue to coexist so it's it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes so if I had to choose a favorite I, I might have chosen Marcone since you did I'm between uh, I'm now between Thomas and Michael and I'm going to go with Michael because, man, he's such a solid guy. Like, yeah. Such such a great guy. And he's got so many sides to him. He, like, he's not perfect. I love the part. Uh, is it in Peace Talks where Harry talks to him and tells him what, what's going on with the White Council? And he just <laughs> starts cussing up a storm. <laughs> That's at the end of Battleground. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the very end of Battleground. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. He's got so many facets to him. Like he's not just the perfect white knight. He's... He's the humanized white knight, and yet he's such an awesome guy, and he's raised his family um, in the midst of all of this, and his family themselves are awesome. Like, his wife, Charity, is no pushover herself. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he slayed a little... Uh, he, he slayed a dragon, right, to uh, to win Charity's hand. I, I want to know that backstory, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Michael. He, he is a cool character. I, he would probably be up there for me, too. I loved when uh, in Skin Game Butcher kind of brought him back, at least for you know the duration of the mission, restored his his physical abilities there. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. I hope. I mean, I'm sure Michael seems like he's kind of now in more of like the mentor category for Harry. Might not be in the action hardly at all. Yeah, um, it was also really good seeing him in uh, the Christmas Eve short story at the end of Battleground. He's he's now more than just become uh who he goes to about like supernatural problems it, he's now like viewing michael as sort of a role model as a father what a father should be like 
All right. Any uh, any last words for Dresden? I guess we're eagerly awaiting 12 months. Yeah. We might have to be patient. I know it seems like Butcher's kind of like back um, onto a better schedule since he's had some personal trials. Um, mm-hmm. But I know he's also writing the uh, the steampunk series, the Aeronauts Windless, that series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, I haven't read those, but I just hope he focuses on Dresden. <laughs> what, um, I mean, he wrote Codex Alira alongside Dresden, right? I don't remember. But yeah, he must have. And those those first Dresden books, he was just pumping out. So, yeah. He has it in him, but, you know, as long as he doesn't pull a Rothfuss or George R. R. Martin, I'll be, I'll be happy. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in Jim Butcher. I mean, look, in the I know that there was a long delay between Skin Game and Peace Talks, but in that time, he produced three books. He wrote the Aeronauts Winless, Aeronauts Winless, and Peace Talks and Battleground were two separate books. So three books in five years is like, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely a Dresden Files fan now. I can consider myself that. Four out of the five Phantology contributors are current on the Dresden Files. We just have to work on Jake. Jake is stubbornly... Not going to uh, convert over to Dresden Files because he can't get over the initial hump. It's all about getting over the initial few books that are just a little bit slower because then it gets awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's tough, but I think if he sets his mind to it, he can do it. There's just so many other books out there to read. The TBR lists are not getting any shorter. Nope. Okay, Ryan, this was fun. I'm glad that you are current, and it was fun to for me to revisit the series because I. You know, since Battleground came out and then I read the short stories, it's been a few months now since I've been Mm -hmm. invested in Dresden. So it's nice to hop back in. Yeah, definitely. Cool. If you like Phantology, you can find more at www.phantologybooks.com and find our YouTube channel. There's links on the episode description and on the website. And please subscribe. Help us get up to uh, get our plaque, right? We We need our thousand follower plaque. And then if you want to support the show even more, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. Okay, Ryan, until next time, what are, you, what are you reading now? Tell everyone what you're reading now that you don't have Dresden. Well, I just finished the the wild. Oh my gosh, I can't even remember. <laughs> the Kings of the Wild. I'll help you the out. The Kings <laughs> of the Wild book, um, which I wasn't super impressed with it, but um, I'll talk more about that probably with Josh. And I'm currently reading children of time which is by adrian tchaikovsky which is a sci-fi book that jake has finished and so i'm i'm working with jake to help boost our sci-fi uh repertoire a little bit thank you we desperately need more sci-fi books (laughs) yes if we want to call ourselves an sff podcast we need more of the first s and f well we're phantology not science fictionology that's true yeah tell jake that (laughs) okay all right thanks for listening we'll see everyone next time bye